Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the president and Democrats have rolled out a massive bill uh, dealing with climate, energy, health care. Uh, a little bit of inflation, but in order to pay for it, would you have to get a knock on the door from an IRS agent? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, back in our nation's capital, there are a lot of deals being struck and proposals on the table, uh, particularly for the Democrats with the new bill that was brokered with Senator Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer. Uh, which they want to pass through reconciliation. And a reminder, that just means that it will be done, uh, won't have to meet that 60-vote threshold in the Senate. They can pass it with uh, just 51. Uh, So one of the proposals to pay for a lot of things going on uh, comes from Senator Ron Wyden uh, in the uh, Senate Finance Committee. He is the chairman of that committee, and he has actually proposed that they – in order to pay for some of this stuff, Obamacare subsidies, uh, Affordable Care Act subsidies in particular, they would beef up the IRS with increased audits, and that would allow them to fund the Affordable uh, Care Act premium subsidies a little bit longer. So what does that mean? Does that mean the rest of us are going to be audited in order to pay for all of that? Ryan Ellis is the president of the Center for a Free Economy. He's also an IRS-enrolled agent. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be on. So uh, there was an interesting tweet uh, from uh, Bloomberg reporter Eric uh, Wasson uh, who talked about Senator Wyden's bill and increasing IRS audits to the reconciliation bill to fund longer Obamacare premium subsidies. Uh, You you had a response to that. (laughs) Tell us how that went down. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of uh, this has been a, a, a you know, a sore spot, I think, for a lot of a lot of liberals on Twitter this morning, a lot of blue checkmark guys uh, very interested in wanting to talk about IRS policy today. Um, it, it, what has proposed, what he's position has apparently agreed to, is over the next 10 years, giving the IRS an additional $120 billion, with a B, over the next 10 years. They already get $15 billion a year, so that's a pretty substantial increase. And uh, about a third of that money or so would go toward audits. When we talk about enforcement, that's what we're talking about. Enforcement is a very soft term that hides the truth. The truth is that we're talking about auditing uh, Main Street businesses here. That's where the money is. Mm. They don't get it going after the super wealthy. The super wealthy have lawyers. They have accountants. They have all sorts of ways to fight off the IRS. And they don't get it from, you know, Joe and Jane W2 because there's just no money there, right? So where do they go? Where they go for the money is people who own Main Street businesses. So if, if, you, if there's a furniture store, if you're a carpenter, if you're a dentist, if you're an architect, those are the guys. You own your own small business. You sign the front of a paycheck. That's who they're going after. 
Wow. Uh, so, again, this is one of those where I see the IRS being the enforcer of or of the way to fund uh, social programs. And it just seems like more audits of middle class households and small businesses. Uh, that just seems like a recipe for disaster to me. Well, I, you know, look, I'm an IRS enrolled agent, which you know, sounds like I work for the IRS. I don't. It means I'm a tax preparer that's sort of an IRS designated expert. I've been through a couple of field audits, which are the worst kind of audits, the kind you see on sitcom B-plots, those type of audits that I've been, I, I've actually been through. They are fishing expeditions. Um, when, when they drag somebody in to a field audit, it's almost certainly a small business owner. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking for this person to have cheated. Very rarely, anybody who owns a business knows they don't have time to cheat. They're trying to run their business every day. And then you know, they get their wife bugging them that they're not spending enough time with their kids because they're trying to run their business every day. They don't have time to sit around and think about tax shelters. That's not what's happening. What the IRS does when they bring these guys in is they say, let's take a look at your books. Let's take a look at your records. Let's take a look at the accounting that you don't have a lot of extra money to pay people to help you with. And if you didn't dot every I and cross every T properly, we're going to throw those deductions out. Even if they're completely legitimate, we're going to throw them out because we're the IRS and you didn't do it right. That's what they're looking for. That's the way the IRS makes money off of these audits. It's not about going after cheaters. It's about finding little technical process violations that small business owners who are big enough to have a little bit of money but not big enough to hire an army of people to defend them from the IRS are subject to and that's the bottom line. That's how the IRS is going to get all this extra money. Wow. Uh, so these are small businesses uh, that would include places like restaurants, uh, hair salon, retail, uh, probably a lot of service-based uh, small businesses as well. Is that right? Yeah. Picture any business that you interact with on the on a given day. Uh, if if you're going to the coffee shop in the morning, uh, if you're going, uh, you know, to a restaurant at night with your family, if you're going to the doctor in the middle of the day. Uh, if if you if you are going to a law firm in the, in the middle of the day, any of those businesses are likely to be uh, family-owned businesses or you know very small partnerships, S corporations, a few people getting together, putting something out there that's of service to the public, uh, and and doing the best they can to to keep up with their tax liability. These are not tax cheats. These are people who want to get up every day and run a business and make a profit, and it's part of the American dream uh, for these people. They're not looking to cheat on their taxes. I, I know because I prepare people's taxes that are in this situation. What they tell their tax preparer, and this will ring true for any of your listeners that are family business owners, is don't get exotic. Don't push the envelope on this. You know, deduct what you know my what I've been spending on. You know, don't yeah. let me overpay, but don't get exotic about anything. I don't want the IRS to be up down my throat. I just want to run my business every day. Tell me what I owe, I'll pay it, and I'll make sure that I run a a square business here. Yeah. That's where 99% of business owners are. Uh, everyone on the left, however, assumes they're a bunch of cheaters. They're all sitting around all day, wringing their hands saying, gee, what type of tax shelter is going to come up with today? Business owners don't do that. Uh, and when the IRS brings them in for an audit, it takes often over a year before you clear out of that, yeah. whether you owe anything or not. It's an incredible time suck. No business owner wants to go through it. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to that number you threw out in terms of uh, how much money this is uh, and the fact that it's like 23 times more being spent on enforcement than on any kind of taxpayer services or support. Well, the way it breaks down is you have about $120 billion over the next 10 years going to the IRS. 
I'd say about a third of that, about 45, 46 billion, somewhere in there, is going to go to auditing. The rest of it's going to go to things, you know, these aren't great things either. This is rent and upkeep and ventilation and, and COVID stuff and all this, all this other stuff. You know, this is an agency that can't answer its backlog of correspondence, that has a backlog of tax returns that they can't get out. Uh, good luck calling the 800 number. You'll be waiting all day if you can get through it all. If they don't give you a courtesy hang up, this is an agency that is totally uh, broken right now and has absolutely no customer service capabilities. If they want to focus on that and they want to focus on making the IRS more of a customer friendly agency that helps taxpayers do the compliance that, frankly, 99 percent of taxpayers just want to do, just want to be compliant and and pretend the IRS doesn't exist uh, for the rest of the year. If they want to help taxpayers do that, I'm all for it. Right. But what I'm not for is this assumption that everyone's a cheater, and we got to drag in every Main Street family business we can find, and then go nitpicking through their records to see if we can find a mistake. Yeah, that's, that's uh, not the way to fund a, a, a program, to be sure. Uh, just really quickly, Ryan, before I let you go, uh, you you also noted uh, in some uh, Twitter responses that uh, in a lot of these failed negotiations uh, with Senator Manchin, uh, it's often been the Democrats kind of looking at, okay, we, we got a deal, and then kind of throwing in too cute by half. Uh, is is this going to be one of those things where they have a deal and then they try to get too cute or add one more thing and it ends up unraveling it all? Well, I sure hope so, uh, because that's been the pattern in the past that uh, Manchin would agree. In fact, it was exactly one year ago today. Yeah. He agreed to a deal with Senator Schumer for $1.5 and now he's at $500 billion. The reason they, the Democrats blew that agreement a year ago was because they said, okay, yeah, but how about this too? Mm-hmm. And that caused Manchin to walk away. That could happen. Um, another way that this could fall apart that could happen is Senator Sinema from Arizona is the other party that hasn't been heard from here. Right. Um, she's one, the one that's been skeptical of tax increases in the past. I hope that she's going to take a look at this and realize that if you have two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, which the day before yesterday everybody called a recession, uh, you probably don't want to raise taxes when that happens. Yeah, I hope if Senator Manchin uh, has forgotten that lesson for the moment, I hope Senator Sinema has it. Yeah, and she takes a look at that. Other than that, I believe we're at these people's mercy. You know, elections have consequences. Yeah. If you lose the House, the Senate, and the White House, this is the type of thing that you get. Yeah, great insight as always, Ryan Ellis, president of the Center for a Free Economy. Uh, Ryan, appreciate you joining us today. Anytime. Uh, Senator Sinema was not at the Democratic caucus meeting today, conspicuously. That's an interesting thing for us to watch. Uh, but the bottom line on this one, and where we have to think again, is do we really want the IRS to be the funding mechanism for something as important as health care or anything else for that matter? I think Congress should look at it a little bit different. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, 
but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.